and welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. For the second consecutive week, the Texans had an admirable loss, but a loss nonetheless in a season that continues to tailspin. Um, but somebody coming to join me for a second time, uh, Mr. Harley Dugan from the league. Harley, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing great, man. Just coming out of work, you know, a little tired, but hey, I'm always down to the talk Texans, no matter how, how worse the record can get. <laughs> well, that's it. I don't know how much worse it can. Well, you, I mean, yeah, you might not win another game for the rest of the season, but how have you kind of coped generally like this year? I think for me, I've kind of become, I think, apathetic overall. I think it is, it's, it's a, and I never kind of ever really envisaged that I would ever be that disinterested on a Sunday when you've got, you know, failed trick plays, a stagnant offense. Mm-hmm. Lovey not going for it on fourth and one at the 50-yard line. You think you, they've done so many things this year um, that kind of just makes you question, well, what's the point? Yeah, no, I, there isn't. I, before, it used to be fun for me every Sunday. Wake up, you know, get going, wash a few dishes, get the barbecue pit rolling, you know, defrost whatever I needed to defrost the day before. All of that's gone. Like, when I watch the Texans now, it's... Uh, well, you know, what are they going to do offensively that continues to surprise me? You know, in the more intricate trick plays, the two QB system that just didn't work at all this week at all. Uh, that That's it's just it's getting old. Uh, I mean, you're one in 12 and one. It's quite boring to watch them at times. The whole Kyle Allen thing was crazy to me. Uh, Davis Mills, I don't like his play this week. Sure, like you said, in terms of my change at the court, I just don't get up for it anymore. I will still watch because I'm a fan. I love being a fan, but it is what it is. Yeah. I don't know, I, I found myself kind of dipping in and out of games and flicking on the red zone at times. And I've never d- done that before. You always kind of wanted to watch every down, want to know kind of every line, but it's it's not easy. Um, was, didn't record a show last week, um, but travel chaos you find in the UK, if you get the slightest bit of even mild weather, uh, travel becomes very difficult. So um, it took a lot longer to get back from Dallas than we thought. But that was a great trip, and you know, and there was you know a reasonable amount of Texans fans there. Nothing like what it was eight years ago, um, and that was probably a moment that kind of got me. Well, I thought hooked. I'm going to be weaning myself off it slowly this year, going cold turkey a little. But I think it's uh, it's a difficult one. I think. And um, how do you? Uh, what positive do you think you can take from this season, Harley? Well. <laughs> Um, you know, okay, so uh, I will say Damian Pierce obviously is one right off the bat. Uh, you know, I guess that you can say, hey, you got yourself a running back finally since how long? You know, I mean, Carlos Hyde did give you a thousand yard rush season, so you know, he seems like a forgotten running back, but I mean, obviously, the last one to Arian Foster, you know, uh, Damian Pierce has been a positive this year. Besides that, when you look at the rest of the draft class, and that's really all you did to improve this year, was just add a draft class. And, you know, Derek Stingley, 
durability questions can kind of continue. I hate to say that. I believe he has a lot of potential and, and I'm, I'm very excited to see what he can be. And I'm sure he can be really good cornerback in this league. Um, but, you know, he played nine games and, you know, the durability questions were something that happened in LSU. They're starting to continue rookie year. I hate bringing it up. It's a sore spot for Texan fans because there's a lot of Derek Stingley, you know, this is our pick. This is the third pick overall that we got. This is our guy. I'm right there with it. Um, but besides Pierce. Eh. Just on that, on the Stingley point, right? And it, it won't matter if he comes back and he plays 18 games next year because people forget it because it's a lost season. Yeah. Um, but it, it was a risk to take him at that point. And I don't think they have... Uh, they don't. They don't have the room for error for that pick not to work out. Um, what you had to get, kind of. And look, I know it's overblown. They've been used in very different ways, but he will always be compared to Sauce Gardner in New York, and it it had to work out in a way early to show a direction of Nick Casario and he's in this franchise. It hasn't to a degree, so that's going to linger, and that's going to linger right throughout the off season. Um, and so will many storylines, just like we've had last year with trading a quarterback and all this kind of stuff. And um, I think that plus Kenyon Green struggles. Um, Jalen Petrie's played really well the last couple of weeks, um, but um, but he's he struggled. And like it was always going to happen. Rookies are going to have ups and downs. But I think yeah, the, the Stingley one is one to watch because if he's doesn't play for four weeks, then gets placed on IR for the last four games. I don't know how that the, the the understanding of what that hamstring injury. I don't. I'm. I'm unclear why how that changes so radically in four weeks uh, when it was described as mild uh, by Lovey. So, yeah, I think you probably can't underestimate how important that pick was, um, and it has to pan out. Every single one of these six first round picks over a three year period have to pan out um, in a big way. Um, you know, in varying degrees, but they have to be big, big for big players for you. So, yeah, I think Stingley's a concern, and. Yeah, I mean, I suppose when I look around the rest of this roster, beyond or Malik Collins, we'll find out if, if Titus comes back. You got, you know, and it's questionable how long Tunsil will be. But beyond that, you know, there's, you know, Jonathan Grenard's contract year. You know, there's maybe a ha small handful of guys um, that you can rely on or, you know, or could potentially be starters elsewhere. And it's all about development in this draft class. So, apart, you know, and I think... Of this class, if you take away the top three guys, is there anybody that's kind of caught your eye? Christian Harris, I suppose, had a good game. Tegan had a good game again as well. So they've kind of been little, nice little additions, I think, towards the back end of the year, despite, you know, the consistent defeats. Yeah, uh, Christian Harris definitely uh, was like a quiet person that was just popping off the television screen for me. I was like, man, and Christian Harris again? Oh, wow, Christian Harris again? You know, and then I'm like, you know, I'm like, man, I wonder, I, I was curious, you know, and I look at the stat sheet and I'm like, I believe he had 12 tackles, I believe, or three TFLs. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, so, hey, overall, good game against a solid team in the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, uh, TQ Cotoriano, he's been, I keep an eye on him. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is, you know, you, you have your diehards. So this is the the next tight end for the Texans. We're not going to go there, mm. but he can block, he can block some. Uh, yes. Yeah. Really good blocker, big body. Uh, the biggest question for him coming into, into the league uh, in the draft was his hands. 
so far it really hasn't been that much of a problem, you know, uh, you know, so uh, he was primarily a blocking uh, uh, tight end at, I believe it was Oregon State, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, yeah, you've kind of used him a little bit in this past game and he's looked pretty, yeah. pretty all right so far, yeah. you know. I think, yeah, beyond that one, he bounced off the turf in the first pass play of the game against the Browns, mm. which seems, again, only a couple of weeks ago, seems like a lifetime ago. But yeah, I think he's caught a couple of good touchdowns. That was a great route against the linebacker. He kind of gave mm. him the, the head nod inside, then outside, sorry, and then it cut yeah. back in. So yeah, no, I think it was, um, yeah, I think there was, there was there was definitely some positives in the game. I think it was interesting, and it, it's strange why it takes you this long in the season to start bringing extra I know they've done it at times but nowhere near regular enough bringing extra pressure from the second level you know there was the, the first couple of drives uh, I think it was the second drive that was the three and out for the Chiefs and Kirksey blitz up the middle Cashman uh, blitz out and actually he's you know you know he's the first player to sign a, a one, another one year deal for next year after they traded I think it was a sixth round pick from the Jets come over yes. he's kind of looked okay he's kind of basically taken the place of Garrett Wallow and he's kind of disappeared so you know with every plus, there's a negative. There's not much overall build there, but yeah, there was some. There was some nice pieces. Is there any anybody that surprised you in these last weeks? You know, there's been a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, seven or eight players that guaranteed starters aren't playing. But is there any any guy that caught your eye under the radar? Uh, well, in terms of the season, I will say Stephen Nelson caught my eye a lot. Didn't expect him to have this type of year. I was, I mean, I was like, oh, okay, you know, some. He looked like a. I don't know. He just screamed like a Texan signing. Like he just screamed it. Uh, it's it screamed Terrence Mitchell from two years ago. So, but Steven Nelson has performed <laughs> very well than Terrence Mitchell. And, and I'm actually would not mind, you know, keeping him again. I, if he's going to continue doing this, then Hey, I mean, what else do you really got secondary wise? Yes. You want to improve. I get it. Um, but I mean, you know, I mean, it's not too bad. Desmond King's played well as well. Uh, I haven't seen too much Tyreer Thomas. Seen a lot of Tremont Smith this last few weeks. Yeah, he's, he's been, been good too. Yeah, he's been good, man. He's been solid. Yeah, I Troy think Harrison's another one. I love yeah, Troy, yeah, yeah. No, there was a great, uh, great run down on special teams, and, and yeah. it made a, and a hell of a, a hell of a thump <laughs> down the other end, yeah. but. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're right. Nelson and, and all that kind of guy, those guys in the back end, Kings kind of continue to be, you know, decent. I think you know it's something uh, to build upon, um, and I think yeah, you've invested in that area. Obviously, if you get the chance to bring in a corner at any spot, whether it be free agency or draft, yeah. you got to do it because you can never have enough. Um, but what would you say, Harley? I mean, obviously the quarterback question. We'll come on to that separately, but but excluding that, what would you say is the biggest need for this team in terms of addressing? position-wise, uh, this offseason for Nick Casario? It has to go to the trenches, specifically the defensive line. The run, <laughs> the defensive run is just, it's horrific. It's atrocious. I mean, uh, the it's horrible, okay? Malik Collins has been a bright spot these last three weeks now, and so he's, he's looked really good, but, I mean, Malik Collins really isn't known for his run defense. He's known for, as a pass rushing interior defense tackle, you know, so I, I'd love to, I'd love, 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 and it's desperate that you improve inside the defensive line. I did not know, or okay, I did not realize that we were going to enter this year with Roy Lopez and Kurt Heinisch as my defensive lineman. I did not realize that. All I hear from local media and the timeline on Twitter is, 
oh man, the defensive line is it's it's deep, man. You know, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of lot of depth on the defensive line, and I'm like thinking about it now, and oh man. Who else was there besides Roy Lopez, Kurt Heinrich? He traded away Ross Blacklock. I'm not look, Blacklock wasn't anything that I'm going crazy about, but when you have a lack of depth in the interior, like I think he would have been at least somewhat helpful than a than a Michael Dwomfor, who you brung in after you cut Jaleel Johnson, who actually looked okay, you know. And now Michael Dwomfor is with the Niners. I mean. It, the the rotating cast at interior D line is just is something that I really question about Nick Casario is what are we doing with the defensive line like what are we doing? Mm. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it, it did kind of seem like a decent unit on paper. I think there was a, plenty of competition there in terms of numbers, but yeah, the quality I think has been lacking. Um, yeah, some strange releases um, on yeah. both sides of the ball this year. Um, absolutely, and I think that's you know a fundamental part of your football team. You got to be able to be serviceable against the run, otherwise every game is you know you, you know I think I think for me it's it's a it's a toss up between linebacker, and yeah, you know obviously you want as many guys. Assuming we're playing a four three, which is definitely up for debate. We'll come on to that before we wrap up. But I think you know you saw yes yesterday with the Chiefs, they just you know the two touchdowns McKinnon had predominantly, um, you know, linebacker issues, um, you know, catching passes at the backfield, you know, they are elite at the screen game. You've got to have good linebackers to get across. And I think, you know, you've got you've got the makings of somebody in Christian Harris, but I think, you know, he's, you know, just like on the other side of the ball, Nico Collins is probably, you know, a, a good, you know, third option, um, possibly developing a good second. You need some stars there. And I wouldn't put wide receiver too far past um, particularly if Cooks goes, it probably it probably quickly vaults to your number one sort of talent need outside quarterback. So there's a lot of pieces to, or a lot of holes to fill and a lot of pieces need to be found this offseason. And again, just like this offseason, I think, Harley, I, I keep thinking to myself, well, it, it can't be done all in one year. And again, I think it's going to require more patience. You're going to have to ask more of fans. And, uh, and you know, that certainly was, was, was clear on the broadcast yesterday when you saw them at red jerseys and they weren't battle red. <laughs> that was for sure. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot to a lot to go after. Or there's a lot that needs to be tackled in the off season. But how do you think they do it? I mean, what's what's a what's a kind of quick route to being semi competitive at least this year, rather than you know accepting defeat perhaps before even the, you know before the opening kickoff, which kind of feels like this year and to a degree last. Yeah, oh, man, that's that's such a tough question. I mean, uh, ideally, you would love to bring in. Uh, a mix again. I really love to see some more young talent. You're going to have plentiful of picks this year uh, with the Deshaun Watson trade. So that's going to be helpful. You know, you're going to have extra picks, whether or not you trade down with them and gain extra, that's besides the point. But what we're looking at right now on papers, you have the picks in order to improve this team, to inject some youth into this team. We talked about the secondary, which has been a strength, but the biggest weakness of it is it needs youth. It needs an injection of youth, just like linebacker. Talent, youth, you need to inject it with it. What do you do for that? Maybe you go, you know, you go out, you got to spend a little money on free agency. But I really wouldn't say to go crazy because you also got to know that overall the plan for this was a rebuild and you have to be patient. And it's tough, really is. 
it's tough to be in a rebuild as a fan. Believe me, I went through it with the Astros and I went through it with the Rockets, you know, and it, and it's tough to be this way, especially from Houston side point perspective, you know, but Nick Casario, I mean, the way what he came into for the Texans is unfathomable. You know, you, you didn't have your, your quarterback wants to get out of here. Uh, you're in cap hell. Like you're trying to reparate everything that Bill O'Brien just destroyed along with Easterby. And I'm glad he's gone. The overall consensus for me is to inject this team with some youth, grab some undrafted free agents, take a look into that. That's something you didn't do two years ago, which still questions me more. And then, you know, you have to pick and choose veterans that can come in here, relatively good, cheap signings. Someone like Steven Nelson, who is not relatively old, but not that young either, good veteran. That was a great signing for you. If you can do that along the interior defensive line, maybe offensive line, whether you want to go to draft or veteran help, obviously offensive line doesn't seem like a strong position in terms of free agency. Um, but you got to do something in order to create some level of, of wanting to watch the Texans. Like it's just, yeah. it's really bad. I think it's the lack of progress for me or the lack of direction. You know, I, you don't mind it being slow as long as you can see it building towards something. I think that's what people have struggled with this year. Um, the talent, you know, it'll be what it'll be. You know, if, as you said, if Casario bats 500 and he gets three of the six, then you're probably about, you know, where where good looks like. So, you know, and if that is the case, you know, it's not it's not going to be good enough to make this team better. Um, and there'll be a lot of talent questions. Is there any, just before we move on, is there any guys that you, you would definitely take in the college game that, that you think warrant, you know, this, we're definitely, I don't think there's any that we're going to get this first overall picks, I suppose. Um, are you sold on Bryce Young if we take that first? Uh, I've waffled and waffled and I've been on the Bryce Young thing. And then I'm like, man, but, you know, Jalen Carter, he he looks something like I would really love Jalen Carter in a Texan uniform, you know. I, and even before this year, way months ago, it was all Will Anderson, you know. But now it's turned to Jalen Carter. My perspective has turned to Bryce Young, though, at the end of the day. And it just – you don't have a quarterback – Quarterback's the most important position on the team. You want to create direction immediately. You grab someone like Bryce Young, and with the plentiful of picks you have, with what you should have a lot more money going into next year, you know, helps out Bryce Young. And what I look at a lot is, look at the last two weeks, you contended with the Dallas Cowboys, the Kansas City Chiefs, with Davis Mills in a gimmicky offense, does Bryce Young, with everything else that's staying packed, does Bryce Young maybe even get you a win in one of those games? Like, is that crazy to say? Because look at what Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll, goodness, look at what they did the last two weeks. And does Bryce Young warn another win? Does he win that game in Denver way in the beginning of the season? Instead of that tie with the Colts, does Bryce Young give you that win? Look, I'm unsure. It's a rookie quarterback. You understand that there's going to be inconsistencies with him. But that that goes down to coaching staff as well. 
And that's, that's, oof, that's a big thing with Bryce Young. So if you can bring in a right coaching staff with him, then you're going to be cooking with, you're going to be yeah. cooking with gas. Yeah. And I think there was, yeah, it extends the timelines. I think it buys Casario some breathing room because it, and it gives your team an identity. And I, like I, I, I put lots of clips. I was deep in the draft last year, put lots of clips and, you know, instantly, you know, Stevie Wonder could tell you that Jalen Carter is going to be an elite player. You know, it might not pan out. Nobody knows because, but um, you know, the the raw the limited amount of snaps he plays in that defense at Georgia, the heavy rotation because you got to keep guys happy in the college game now. Otherwise, they'll walk and go in the transfer portal because it's so fluid. But you know, despite his limited snaps, he stands out a hell of a lot. Now, ideally, you would have had this Browns pick, then you could have got him plus somebody else, or you know. Um, Will Anderson plus somebody else, but it looks like they're going to be a pick in the high teens now with the way it's going since six and eight. Um, obviously, they beat Baltimore this weekend, so you know yeah. we can no longer guarantee that pick. But I think what it does is it extends Casario's timelines if he takes a quarterback. But I think we'll know if he's going to take a quarterback or not, probably before, well before the draft. But I, I, I did notice Lance Erline tweeting out saying, I just find it hard that an NFL GM will t- be able to commit the first overall pick to a quarterback that's under 200 pounds now he is a hell of a player I think he's got an it factor he's got a he's got a, a a rare skill that ascends other people's talents and I think that's what you're looking for when you go when you take a guy at that position that high he has to elevate others around them rather than you know need you know in Davis Mills's case which we've seen and it was kind of clear and obvious but you know here we are now talking about it um that he, need, he needs talent around him. Um, you know, that's not a knock on him, that's just, just the, the matter of the fact. So I think, yeah, there's he, he potentially doesn't tick the boxes of a traditional scout type um, like Nick Casario will take. And I think that's the concern. Now, I suppose when I take when I take that view, and if you think of all the messing around of the last two coaching hires and how he deliberated, he's an overthinker. Um, I think he's going to overthink it. But I think if he does, and Bryce Young becomes, you know, a day one standout, he's gone. If you take him, then it extends the timelines, it gives you a bit of direction, ideally with a new coaching staff, um, that is enough, or at least have some, or a new offensive coaching staff at the very least, then it gives you some direction. So I, I don't think he's got a choice not to do it. I don't think he wants to do it. And I think we all do it. You know, we all make decisions all the time that we not, don't necessarily want to do, but you've got to see the bigger picture. So I think he's backed himself in a corner with a lack of progress, like some of the things you touched upon there, Harley. And I think he's got no choice. What do you think? Yeah, I think so too. And I hate saying that because I don't like being backed into a corner. I really don't. You know, I'd love to have that flexibility to grab a Jalen Carter who just – he just looks special. I just, I can't stop watching his film. It's just amazing what he is and the freak he can be in this league. And, but, you know, I think it is Bryce Younger bust for Nick Casario in terms of his job security. If you grab the Jalen Carter, like you implied, the possibility of another down season, how much patience does Cal McNair, how much rope does he, is he given Nick Casario? And that's what, you would find out quickly if he grabbed Jalen Carter and passed on Bryce Young. You'd find out how much rope does Cal McNair give Nick Casario. That's a, you will find out quickly. Yeah, because a defensive tackle, no matter how good he is, can only win games in certain situations, um, providing your team you know can keep in games. And we're not in that spot yet. 
Um, and obviously, you know, and I, I, to be honest, I'm not 100% sold on his on his run defense. I think there's still an improvement Jalen Carr can make, but I think he's you know he's definitely a top three or four prospect. But it's an but again, it's a traditional scout. Does it? The, would they value the defensive tackle over an edge rusher, over a cornerback again, you know, and I think that'll count against them because defensive tackles rarely go that high and the ones that do become stars are the ones that, you know, like Chris Jones, you know, Aaron Donald to a lesser degree, these are the guys that develop and become stars rather than being a polished star, so I think there's a lot of buyers beware I think with Carter as well, I think you've got to just because it's so rare that, you know, this it's a day one plug-in you know, top three pick. I just, I, I can't, I can't think of one. You, you may be able to correct me, but it's, so I think that that's the big issue. And I think, but we'll know when we'll come onto the draft and, you know, looking forward to that part of the process and, um, and, and for this off season, because it's, it was certainly good last year. Hopefully we can, you know, um, it'll be as equal as intriguing again, because I think it's looking like a good class, but I, I touched on it there, um, Harley. Do you think that we'll know well before the draft, if they're taking a quarterback because of, if they make a change at the coaching staff and if so, uh, what do you think they'll do, or you know, what would be your choice to change it up? Because I think the coaching on this se- this season not be good enough, and I think you didn't think a one and done would be possible, but it's been that bad. I think it might have to be. Yeah, no, I I believe. Well, first, I do believe that if they're going to go quarterback in the draft, that you're going to find out fast. Most of the time, you always know who the first overall pick is going to be. Just just always seems like national media. And the talking heads, they find out fast. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whether it was last year with Trayvon Walker going to the Jaguars, it kind of felt like that was the overall consensus first-round pick, especially it being a quarterback. You, someone's going to get that out real quick. And I know Casario's tight lip. I get it, you know, but this is a quarterback. Joe Burrow, Bengals, boom, done, you know. like, And I know that was a lockdown, knockdown, you know, guy that was going to go there. but. I think if it's a quarterback, you're going to find out fast. Now, in regards to the coaching staff, uh, look, I never liked the Lovey Smith hire. And I was always one to say that on my channel. I just did not like it. I thought it was another bridge coach hiring. Uh, If you were going to hire Lovey Smith, you should have hired him last year instead of David Coleman. And, and, you know, run it with him for two years. Here you go. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, but I just never liked to hire his antiquated Jurassic defense, that Tampa 2 defense that he loves to run. You know, I really thought he had me fooled for a little while. I thought that drafting Derek Stingley was a precursor to Lovey Smith opening up the idea <laughs> from changing zone to man, utilizing man a lot more in his defensive scheme. That's what I thought. It could be. And, you know, when I was at I was at the Texans draft party, you know, and I talked to Seth Payne and I asked him that question, like, hey, what do you think about the Derek Stingley pick? Do you believe that maybe we're going to utilize more man to man? And exactly what Seth Payne, like I just regurgitated, Seth Payne says, you know, like, yeah, I think that Lovey Smith is going to potentially play more man to man. And it's possibly a good sign that Derek Stingley's a pick. Hindsight now, fast forward, we're still stuck in this zone defense that I'm just not a fan of. I like a 4-3 defense. I have no problem with it. But this Tampa 2 defense, it's it's old. It's it's not. He doesn't adapt. You know, like, so someone like Matt Eberflus for a second is someone that came from a 4-3 Tampa 2 scheme, Rod Marinelli, and the Dallas Cowboys. 
But what's so good about Matt Eberflus is he adapts to today's NFL and utilizes a lot of cover three into his defensive scheme. That's something you won't see out of Lovey Smith. You just won't see it. Old school, I need a new coaching staff. I just, I don't want Lovey Smith here no more. Who could it be? I mean, we saw the Jeremy Fowler reports with Jonathan Gannon again. You know, seems like the rumblings are there again. Do you know, like, that's that's weird when he kind of got so far in the process, everybody, the senior bowl that you spoke to, of all the media that gets assembled, all thought it was going to be him. I find it hard to believe that, unless he said, look, I'll do it next year, and this has been agreed all along, I find it hard, if he was truly rejected, yeah, and he, he, he thought he was getting it, and didn't, I find it hard that he come back crawling to this situation, a year yeah. on now, it may have been predetermined. He may have a coach. He may he may have needed another year to get his coaching staff done. I, I saw today he's going to the Eagles are potentially going to be the first team ever to have four guys um, to get double digit sacks. So you know the, the, there is like there's an element of time we saw that on the Thursday night game. There's an element of talent there that he's working with this year that the GM gave him. You know, and Bradbury and and, and uh, Garner Johnson and all these kind of guys. So the talent level is pretty. You know, it's it's up there in sort of top five or six units I think in the league. So you know, last year he was heavily criticised as the defensive coordinator. Um, so if it's him, great. As long as he's the best man for the job, brilliant. I always think it's so hard to tell because people just instantly gravitate it's fashionable to say let's get the best coordinator who which guy's unit's done the best but actually that's not what you need and Vrabel is you know was a god-awful defensive coordinator but he's one oh. hell of a football coach mm-hmm. and that was obvious by watching him uh, work and speak to the media and when you saw him on hard knocks there's you know it is, it is the the leader you need not the guy who's you know the most technical so I think there's a you know there's a lot to be decided but I I struggle to see a situation where there isn't a new head coach um, unless Lovey stays by the skin of his teeth and just clears the offensive staff. But bringing in a new system for a young guy with a temporary head coach is difficult. And I think if you were that offensive coordinator, if you're a, if you're a quarterback's coach somewhere around the league, do you want to come work for Lovey Smith if he's basically being given another year of execution? No, you're not going to risk your career on that. So I think you have to clear the whole deck if you're going to bring in a quarterback, whether that's Bryce Young, whether that's CJ Stroud. You know, time will tell. Um, I think, you know, I, I think one thing I learned last year, there was loads of guys that I just didn't think were great. Um, Tariq Woolen, for example, I just didn't see. I thought, yeah, you can see the measurables. Uh, Isaiah Likely was a guy as well. I, I, yeah, okay, I, I see it, but I don't see him doing anything. But, you know, then they translate and they be, they're good year one pros, if not excellent. So, you know, I think there's, you know, and there's certain guys that you watch that, um, you know, is obvious and it doesn't happen. So, you know, it is a complete lottery. We all know that. That's why the process is so great, the draft. But I think that the big thing we have to think about is the coaching staff. But it's the first domino, I think, in this off-season. I think when when that falls, and that might be in, you know, three three weeks' time, less than that. Um, you know, but, I, but one thing, Harley, I think after the last two off-seasons, with all the McCowan crap that went on, if... Nick moves I hope he moves quick and we don't look like we're holding the can again because that's happened two years in a row if that happens three years in a row I think yeah. it, I, it would almost be as inexcusable to say I don't think you, you could you could let him see through the draft with his staff and then potentially you know it's, it's up for debate at that point if you're holding the can again because you can't deliberate overthink if you've if you you've had all off scene you always knew this was going to be temporary so if it is Gannon great but do not fuck about and wait for this to happen because if you do then you know we're in a position where 
you're not progressing the reputation of this organization and you're certainly not progressing the faith that you know you're you're asking a fan base to put in you again which is going to be naively anyway but that has to happen for me yeah i I agree with you man i really do and even you waited so long the last two years you were the last team to hire a head coach and you what even is worse to me is you had potentially better candidates still out there and you still decide to David Coley and Lovey Smith your way into four wins the last two years now. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's horrible, man. This is, uh, it's just rough, man. I, the, it gets, it gets really bad because I mean, I start talking about the coaching staff and it's something I spend so much time in the off season I spend so much time breaking down all these coaching staffs, the potential OCs, a QBs coach, D-line coach, linebackers coach. I look through the if they were former players and, you know, who did they play with? And I look through the rosters each several years and I look who's a coach now. Oh, that's a connection. You know, like, I mean, uh, for example, like Chris Harris. He is a defensive backs coach for the Washington football team. He was a former player for Lovey Smith, and he was a safety, really good safety for the Bears. All pro and had some really good years for them. Now he's a defensive backs coach for the Washington football team. Who, who's the head coach? Ron Rivera. Oh, that connection? Ron Rivera was the linebackers coach for Lovey Smith with the Chicago Bears. That's right. Chris Harris is with the Washington football team. That's someone I would have loved the Houston Texans to grab and improved his defensive secondary, you know, regardless of secondary has, has looked good, but there isn't one coach on this coaching staff that you can pull and someone's going, yeah, I want, I want him on my staff. I, yeah. I can't. Who? Yeah. Who? Well, I thought, I thought Especially last year, the, yeah, well, I thought last year the best coach on this team was Bobby King and he went to Tennessee, yes. which a number of other guys have done. Um, and, I, and I'm only going on the improvement of, of the of the requisite talent level or, or, the, or the expected talent level to the production. I think, yeah, and you, certainly not Miles Smith. You can maybe make an argument uh, for, you know, that the offensive line has been better at times, but it took a hell of a dip and then the last three games it's come back. So it's been too variable. There's been too much peaks and troughs, but you know you need consistency at this level for your team to be able to be productive on a Sunday. So yeah, I think yeah, it all seems like it's going to point to uh, reformation once more for the third season and off season in a row um, to be a new coaching staff. Who they get uh, is anybody's guess. Um, I hope that you know, that it was basically, you know, agents, you know, my client would love to work with you, Nick, but unfortunately, this is not the right time. You're in a hell of a mess. So once you get out of that mess a little bit, then we'll look at it. But, you know, I think if you've got the first overall pick, you can sell the hell out of that to an agent and to get their cat, their coach to come. So I hope that's the case and that that's the difference between this time and last year. And this time and last year, there is potential quarterbacks um, to do. Where do you sit on the kind of, you know, build and hope hope you're in a spot I mean because let's be honest the talent level on this roster even if you do a sterling job you're probably going to be in the contention for the top five five to ten picks the year after again it's just the reality of it 
um, of where this team is just now. Do, do, would you take the? I don't think Casero's in a position to do, but if all things were equal, would you take the risk of you know? And everybody says you know next next year's quarterback class is much better. No guarantees <laughs> on that whatsoever. But would you take that risk that you you, you know just say you you're your two-year talent pipeline looks a lot rosier um, based on all the evaluations you've done to this point. Would you take that risk? Because I just think, for me, it's just too much to, for, to do. But, you know, and, the, and I think the worst thing is, or the or the, the biggest point is you could you could take one two years back to back if you really wanted if you found yourself in that position, but would you would you think would you take that risk or do you, and do you think they could potentially take that risk because it seems one hell of a gamble if they were to. Yeah, I mean, I haven't even gotten into it with the channel on my channel yet. It's something that I've like let marinate, you know, and and I'm just staring at it, and I know I got to open. That, that chicken that's marinating and it's the Bryce Young, Khalid Williams, you know, conversation. And look, when I look at Khalid Williams, oh man, he pops off the television screen. It, there's something different with Khalid Williams when I'm watching him. I don't know, man. It just the arm velocity, the way he moves around the pocket. And look, I, I know people immediately are throwing the Patrick Mahomes comparisons. That's always going to happen. They're in basketball. Oh, well, that's the next Michael Jordan, Tracy McGrady, next Michael Jordan, Grant Hill, next Michael Jordan. You know, so that's always going to happen. Okay. Lee Williams is a very, very good, going to be a really good quarterback next year who, for whoever team gets him. For At least I think so, in my opinion. But and if you can't guarantee me the number one pick overall next year, then I'm sorry. I just, I can't do it. I love them. I really do. But I'm just, I can't do that gamble unless you're guaranteeing me the number one pick overall. Like, Hey, it is what it is with Khalid Williams. I understand he looks like he could be, and I, I, I don't throw that word around it a lot, but generational quarterback, he looks like he's reaching that sort of, trademark on him but I, again the gamble is too big for me you know yeah. it's just I love him though I really do yeah, yeah it's, it's a transcendent talent I think it's just yeah it's and I suppose when you watch USC which I've not watched a huge amount of but when you watch their defense isn't very good so you know there's big high scoring games so he's putting up as many points as he has to and he keeps doing it consistently I think yeah, these he is, but I suppose as you said, you know, if he continues that, you know, he could break his leg tomorrow, and I, you know, I wish him all the success. And um, but I think you know, but anything could happen in a year. You know, you could just disappear. You know, it's all a year out, and guys, you know, Joe Burrow wasn't in the in the running, um, and you know, he's going into his third year, and it looks like he's he's going to be a consistently tough, you know, good top five level quarterback. Yeah, so, yeah, well, exactly. Well, him, I think if you ever saw him on that Netflix yeah. series, you knew he was he didn't have yeah. the mental capability for there's it. A little, but, there's a little yeah. stuff with him. But, regardless <laughs> but yeah, of what he I, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I just hope whatever happens, it works out. You know, when you drafted Watson, you didn't necessarily think he was going to be as good as he was, and okay, he doesn't look great right now. Um, but you know, I think he was he was a hell of a player for us for a couple of years, and that's the kind of level of talent that we have to find to get it now. Is is it is it going to be perfect if we get a quarterback and you hit and there's lots of holes? No, but it's better than what it is now. It gives you something to watch. It gives you something to believe in. It gives you a reason to buy jerseys, buy tickets, you know, um, and it makes the club something viable again. And I think that's the big issue. Like you said, the patience will be tested. There's only so long a business 
can feel, albeit you know numerically, it will it will continue to uh, deliver just because of the, the the structure of the league. But to be thriving and be successful, not have empty seats and not to be full of uh, travelling fans, then you you need it to be watchable. And I think a quarterback may give us that. But um, any final words before we head out here? Any more reflections, Harley? Before we we're probably only going to do one more episode before the end of the year uh, with Christmas and New Year and all that. I don't think anybody's going to going to take too much of their festive cheer to listen to this stuff because it's been repetitive and I'm very conscious of that and I'm kind of bored of talking about the same shit to be honest but there you go yeah oh yeah I know I, I I've I've focused more on Astros on my channel you know uh, but hey the Texans look they're 112 and one you know, the patience will be it, it's going to be stretched and like you said the first domino is the coaching staff can they get the coaching staff correct and you don't necessarily have to rush into a decision, but please don't be the last damn hire. Please don't do that. Take a look at Gannon. Looks like whatever it is is coming out to Jeremy Fowler and Dan Graziano. You know, whether or not that's true, it, but hey, you, you did take a look at him last year. D'Amico Ryans is another name. You, you have to interview these guys. I'm going to be upset like Robert Sala two years ago, who I kept banging on the table. For Robert Teller, didn't get an interview. And that's what really upsets me. And I, okay, you know, you pick David Coley. I always thought it was just a whatever kind of hire. But what really upsets me more is you don't interview guys that need the interview. You interview a Heinz Ward. What is this? You're doing him a favor? Good. Good for him. You know, like, awesome. You're a wide receiver coach now, Heinz Ward. Congratulations. It's not like you couldn't get that position regardless. So I need to see interviews. I need to see a D'Amico Ryan's interview. Hell, I need to see a Ben Johnson interview for, for uh, the Detroit Lions. Brian Johnson, the OC for the, the, the Eagles, he deserves an interview. You know, I want to see guys that uh, – Ejiro Evero, defense coordinator for the Broncos. Broncos, yeah. You know, well, I'd like quite to impressive, see – Quite impressive, yeah. Quite impressive. Yes, I love yeah. him. He's from the Don Capers tree. He literally learned everything from Don Capers in Green Bay. That's why he went to Denver. Nathaniel Hackett, Green Bay, even though Evero is with the St. Louis Rams or, excuse me, Los Angeles Rams. So still get that mixed up. But, you know, that's what I'm trying to see is I want to see who's he interviewing and I need to see good interviews. And then I need to see, okay, this is your list. All right. Now we get to pick and choose. Let's not rush, but let's not be slow about it. Get the coaching staff right. Grab Bryce Young. I think that's the pick, regardless of what we believe, how much I love Jalen Carter. I love Jalen Carter. But regardless, I do think it's going to be Bryce Young. Like you said, I think he's pigeonholed in the corner. You grab the right coaching staff. You get Bryce Young. Let's move forward with this franchise, and let's finally have a direction that the fans, we can see where we're going a little bit now. Yeah. That's the final thought. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think, yeah, if you can build momentum with the coaching staff that and builds his own staff that creates confidence, that creates respect, that, you know, the agents aren't trying to keep their client's name away from it, because I, I, I do generally think that's been the case. People just didn't want to touch it. Then if you can give a level of respectability and confidence with the coaching staff, then, you know, take a quarterback and then it's in the lap of the gods at that point. But, um, yeah. but um Nice to be back this week talking about the Texans, uh, travel and all that. Slight, 
disdain for this team. Thanks to Harley for his time. This was a very late put together. No agenda. We just spitballed it. And uh, here we are, 40 minutes then. Kind of repetitive, I get it, but maybe it gives you a bit of sense of of what's to come this off-season. There's not much point talking about the games. The roof got stuck on Sunday, uh, yeah. which I saw. And uh, hopefully that can get fixed just in the same way that this team can. But uh, thank you again for listening to the Turn Up For What podcast. And we'll be back once more um, before we wrap up for this off, this off-season. And then we'll kick it into the draft, new coaching staff, all that kind of good stuff. We'll be news-led, not... Um, not content-led, because I think we've got to take it one stage at a time. It's a long old off-season. But again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you again soon.